pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another edition of 1620 The Jays Podcast. Alongside Connor Happer, I am Josh Peterson. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of the pod brought to you by Barry Law. Coming up on the podcast tonight, Connor and I will recap the end of the Creighton men's basketball season and the way that it came to a close, plus Robbie Lula, he joined John Bishop and myself on Unsportsmanlike Conduct on Thursday of this week to look back on the season and then look ahead to the offseason and what could happen with roster movement. 1620 The Jays is presented by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future when those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault. You need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. Happer, the Jays were in it to win it, and sadly for them, the season comes to a close uh, what what a what a couple of games! What a, what quite a few moments! Uh, where should we begin as Creighton gets the victory over Princeton, but of course ultimately falls to San Diego State, right there on the edge of first ever Final Four berth. Uh, you want to talk about the foul first? You or... could start with the foul, definitely. <laughs> you could just start there and then uh, expand outwards like a like a spider web or something like that. I, I don't know. You you if you've listened to any of our shows, you've heard it by now. And and I, I think this is where this is where any of probably all of us stand. Uh, I mean, obviously, if you're in the building, um, you know, you, you probably feel a little bit more juiced up about it than anybody else. But everybody was sitting on their couch like, man, I can't I, I can't believe it. It's still shocking. You know, a week later that that their season ended in in that way. I mean, they were talking about. They talked about it on the CBS postgame show with Charles Barkley and Clark Kellogg and all those guys for like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Basically, that was the only thing that they talked about in between games because then Texas and Miami was after that and the other Elite Eight game. And, you know, it was a big talking point. I mean, like ESPN, like Stephen A. Smith had a take about it, you know, Max, like all those guys. And I think it's it's basically the same thing all around. If you officiate a game one way for 39 minutes and in 59 seconds, then it's really, really tough to see it end that way on, um, you know, a a foul um, or what was likely a foul. um, If you're calling the game straight up, but there was just so much contact. I have the image Josh in my head. I think the lasting image from that game actually is the, for me, when they're going through the handshake line and they show everybody, you know, they show the celebration from San Diego state and then they show the Creighton guys, obviously, the looks of dejection on their faces. But Ryan Kalkbrenner has scratches 
all yes. up and down his neck and he looked like he had just fought a bear and and that's basically what happened for 40 minutes they they fought a bear and it was like cocaine bear they, that was <laughs> that, that was what was going on in that game so how you know to get that bad call at the end or you know unorthodox call at the end it's just it was so uncharacteristic for the game um and then there's these little windows of like you know they miss the first free throw and you're like, Whoa, you know, is, yes, is, there, is yes. there still a chance here? And they give you that little glimmer of hope. And then there's 1.2 seconds left in the clock and they throw the full court pass and you're just holding on to anything you can. And it never, they never really sinks in even when they say, Nope, game's over after they look at it on the review. So, I mean, the, one of the hardest, one of the hardest losses that I can remember as a Creighton fan. Um, and, and that includes, you know, a couple doozies, but that, that situation with that on the line, um, that's going to stick with, that's going to stick with everybody for a really long time. Yeah, it absolutely is. Ultimately the final score 57 to 56. And, you know, I was listening to John and Nick, uh, their broadcast, um, during the game. And so I had it matched up to the TV and, and I thought that their tone, especially John's tone as that foul is made, I thought did just the perfect job of explaining it because he says they called a foul and San Diego State's going to go to the line yep. with a free throw to go to the final four. And just, you know, you could hear all that excitement, the voice dropping, everything changing in that one moment. Uh, like you said, we it's, it's been beaten to death enough this week, but I'm with you. Uh, the, the perplexing part is that the game was called one way and then that foul was called, which kind of was the antithesis of what happened over the course of a game. It was a foul. It's just, you know, why, why was the game officiated one way? And for the record, I was totally cool with the way that the game was being officiated. Um, sometimes, you know, I, 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 I'm not, I guess I'm not always going to be a fan of a game that ends with that type of a low score, but some moments and some games, I think that they kind of need that. This one, it seemed to fit the way that these two teams played. Um, but that, that foul call, you know, obviously, brutal in that moment and, and like you I thought you did a great job on your show this week the Connor Happer show when when anytime someone would be like hey stop talking about the foul call you would say look they didn't make any threes in the second half I am willing to acknowledge they didn't make any threes and sure enough they finished two of 17 overall and like you know San Diego State in really good defense, obviously. I'm not going to take anything away, but man, there were a couple of decent looks over mm. the course of that second half. They missed a few shots close to the rim as well. And like truly in a game that is decided by one point and that Creighton had the lead throughout the majority of the first half and in deep into the second half, it's just like you wonder what happens if one or two of those baskets, whether it's close or from three, what happens if they go Creighton's way and maybe they're able to extend their lead a little bit at the end of the first half or early in the second. Josh, it, I mean, it's literally just one. I mean, yeah. yeah, you could think back to any moment. Um, you know, I, I think my mind goes first to the possession where they had two really good corner three looks. Um, and they both, you know, the what I think it was Kaluma and it was one of those rim, 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 you know, out and, and you're just, and you think about that. And I thought about it at the time and I was like, oh, that feels, that feels big with how hard it is to score right now. And yeah. every, everything was big, you know, every offensive rebound, every foul, um, Nemhard getting his wrist jammed up, you know, that ended up playing a factor because he came back in, was clearly fighting it and missed the layup that, that he would normally make, obviously with, with a really good 
you know, defensive effort from San Diego State. And, and as I've gone throughout the week, you know, I, I've, I've gone back to that a lot. They clearly, I mean, before people listen to this and are like, yeah, you're, you know, so much complaining. And we even got that today a little bit on the show when I brought it back up again uh, when we were talking to one of our guests. And I, I mean, before you, before we, you know, you go too far down that road, obviously the foul is such a, you know, pivotal moment in the game that I have never, I, I haven't seen Creighton play a team with that much. And they were, they were good in the first half on defense. And I thought Creighton did enough and they yeah. were a little bit looser on offense, but man, when they get through those first five minutes of the second half, they turn that thing up. I mean, yep. it, it was, it was unlike anything. So, I mean, the credit, goes to, the, the credit goes to San Diego State, and that's who they are, and that's who they want to be. Um, you know, if Creighton gets one or one or two more looks um, to go down, you know, we're talking about a different situation. <laughs> we're getting ready for a Final Four right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you and I and are in Houston. Yeah, we're 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 in Houston, and that's that's a really really tough thing to swallow. Um, but I mean, you know, if you if you if you think about the entire year, making the Elite Eight, and you know, we talked a couple weeks ago before the tournament, and you know, the thing is, like it or not, whatever you are in the regular season was whatever you were in the regular season, and it was always going to come down to tournament success. And they had the tournament success. Like, they didn't yeah. – They. It, it's hard to think about what could have happened next because they legitimately could have won a national championship, and that's that's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but they they got to the doorstep of the Final Four farther than any Creighton's, Creighton team in the modern era has been before. Um, and this team will be remembered for that for for a really, really long time. I'm really happy that you said that because it, it sets up what I wanted to talk about next, and that's just like how we remember this team. You know, you and I, all year long, we were doing these check-ins, and it's funny because the longer the season got, kind of the closer those check-ins became, but at first it was, you know, a once-a-month thing, and early on they're looking really good. They go into Thanksgiving, and we're saying, wow, they're, they're the exact team that we thought that they were. If they stay healthy, they're going to be in the mix for a championship. Of course, we know what happens after Thanksgiving, quite the swoon. It, it, it finally turns around a little bit as the calendar turns to 2023. And I thought for the most part that they were consistent at the end. But you and I, happened before the, the conference tournament, before the NCAA tournament, there were a couple of games that stuck in our craw, right? From the end of the regular season, you know, the game uh, against Villanova, of course, the, the, the Big East tournament loss and how they looked in that game as well. And ultimately, in the end, you know, you do that Wikipedia, the quick Wikipedia scroll in 10, 15, 20 years. It's going to say that this team was an elite eight basketball team, yeah. that they were the furthest, you know, I guess we'll see what happens in the next 15, 20 years. But this is the furthest that a team had ever gone in the NCAA tournament. And they were on the doorstep of the final four. And if you go all the way back to October and I'm having a conversation with you on this very podcast and I say, hey, what's your expectation? What's a successful season? I mean, they reached those metrics for, for I would say, what, 80, 85, 90% of the fan base and observers. This is maybe not the best Creighton team that you and I have ever watched or covered, but it is obviously the most accomplished Creighton team that you and I have ever watched or covered. Well, and then, you know, to, to go back to what you said there about checking into the regular season and the things that sort of stuck with us, um, you know, we rightfully, everybody had their concerns about this team going into the NCAA tournament. You knew and understood what they were. I will say this. And, and you know, the, even that Xavier game in the semifinal, of the Big East tournament, you're like, man, I don't know what to do with that. And they just weren't, yeah. they, they weren't really themselves. Um, but they played really well 
in the NCAA tournament. And, and I, I, you know, they get, they have gotten they into those moments before where you felt like, and, and you know, you, you know, the Doug team that lost to Baylor and uh, a lot of other teams that fell short of the sweet 16 or got to the sweet 16 and, and then, you know, got drilled by Gonzaga and you went out and you felt like when, uh, after they lost, they just didn't really play their best game. And of course mm-hmm. that's the feeling from San Diego state, but you know, NC state, uh, I, we talked about it. I think they played like a B minus game. Um, Baylor was a Baylor was a great game. Um, Princeton, I thought they played, you know, probably a B plus a minus game um, to be able to do what they did offensively in that game. And San Diego state, I, 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 you know, if we're putting a grade on it, like I feel like they did just about as much as they could. And I know you you, you look at it and you say they shot two of seventeen from three, man. Like, well, you know, you're not going to win an NCAA. T- they were off shooting, mm-hmm. but I I, I got to give a ton of credit to what San Diego State did. You know, really tightening the screws on them in in the second half. And you know, if they win that game, I felt like man, they 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 played as well as they could considering the circumstances. So it feels like not only another barrier was broken in terms of getting to the elite eight and getting another step further in the NCAA tournament. But I think now the barrier is now forever broken at Creighton given NCAA tournament performances. They can, they can play well on the big stage. They don't have to be one thing that they were in the regular season. They could win games in different ways. They could scrap games, or maybe that's just specific to this team with Kalkbrenner and, and what they do on the defensive end. But I think going forward, you have to have a fair amount of confidence that, that, that Creighton, you know, can get to the NCAA tournament and win a game without playing their a without shooting and making 12 threes, you know, yeah. it's, and, and that's, that's a really big step for this program that has been known for let it fly and all that yep. stuff. And I think they showed, you know, the country this year, Hey, we're, we still can do that and we can still light it up from three, but that's not our end game. It doesn't have to be that in order for us to actually win a basketball game against a really high caliber team. Happer, how about this? So you go back to when they won their first tournament game of the, uh, you know, of the Dana Altman era in 1999, they scored 62 points. After that, they scored 83 and a win over Florida. They scored 58. Now we're going into Doug McDermott era, 58, 67, 76, 63, 72. Last year in overtime, 72 points. And then you look at this year, 72 versus NC State in a game that we were like, I don't know, B minus maybe performance, Mm -hmm. 85 versus Baylor and 86 versus Princeton. You you are spot on in what you said at the start of that. This is a team that has gotten into the tournament playing one style and has so often found themselves having to play another style against programs like Alabama, against programs like Cincinnati. They can't make a basket against Duke, North Carolina. Yeah, Rhode Island, Kansas State. And so that was the thing I think that helped make, obviously it helped make this team the most accomplished team in Creighton history. The fact that they went how many minutes, almost six minutes without a field goal against Baylor and still won that game rather comfortably by double digits in the end. I mean, it, they were by 18 with five minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so like, think about like, dude, they finished that game with 80, uh, 85 points. And it's like, wow, what, what happens if they make some of those field goals? I mean, they're easily over 90 and they're closing in on a 100. So yeah, I, I think that this is, you know, it was of course a, a important season, a, a, a step forward season in terms of showing you know what they can do and and maybe you know the belief that they can have 
Um, they just they established themselves, I think, in a in a much different way. Like you said at the at the outset, like pre or post game shows and ESPN shows. Every time I looked up at something on Monday, I saw the Creighton logo and they were debating on the foul call. And it's like they were they were in a moment. And obviously they they would have rather have won. And we would be in Houston right now and all of those things. But but quite the season for a, a team that had all those expectations. This is now two teams in the last three years that made it to the second weekend, but maybe more importantly, Happer, this is now the second team in the last three years that had expectations in the preseason, and they got to those those spots both yep. times, and, and that just hasn't happened around here. Like it or not, you need to have the t- – like you know, like we've said a couple times now, you need to have the tournament success in order to, in order to establish yourself as a national brand and product and stuff like that. Yep. And, I feel, and, and I feel like they did that. So, it, I mean, big picture. That's what this team accomplished. They also went to the elite eight, you know, yes. like yes. That's, that both of which are, are really, really good. So you're, you're trying to shed the, the, you know, the common narratives about, about yourself. So regardless, and now we'll, we'll sort of turn the dial over to what happens next, you know, what happens with this team, but regardless, you know, Creighton is in a different place as a program yep. now because of this team. And then We'll see how much of it comes back. And yeah, that's that's the next big question. And then what they they add on um, to the roster as well. I, uh, you know, I, I think that that I mentioned it on Sports Line Conduct. I think that Isaac Trout is going to be a, a member. Uh, I'll say this, this, Josh. But by the time you're listening to this, they will probably they, they may have secured a commitment from Isaac Trout. I was I was thinking the exact same thing. So we'll uh, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on that one. Uh, and then, as you said, yeah, the other stuff that we'll be paying attention to, of course, is uh, the rest of the roster movement as well. Final takeaways on on this this Creighton basketball season as uh, we now wrap it up and moving forward uh, on this podcast, we start you know talking to, to the other spring sports as as things uh, finish up with this school year. Well, the question now is is sort of what happens next, and and you know talking to people this week, it's really early. Um, but it doesn't seem like anybody has a really good grip on what's going to happen. I mean, if there, if, if you, and everybody can come back, um, that's the crazy thing about this team. Um, but you know, you can rank them on sort of confidence points. You would expect that a guy like Ryan Nimhard is, is going to be back. He's a really good college player and, you know, some of his limitations probably, um, you know, prevent him from, from being at least a draft pick at the next level. So he can, he could take his time at Creighton, I think. So that's, that one feels pretty good. Um, interested to see what happens with Ryan Kalkbrenner. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, you got to change who you are a little bit on the defensive end um, if you don't have that guy. So that's a, I think that's a, that's a 50, 50 call. Same thing with, with Kaluma. I wonder what Baylor Shireman is thinking right now. Um, hey, this is fun. I could make a whole bunch of NIL money and, and come back to, to Creighton for another year if I want to, or, you know, get a professional career started. Um, and then there's Trey Alexander, who I view to be the 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 most, the, probably the best NBA prospect on this team, regardless sure. of regardless of what that means. He could hear his name called in the draft, and usually when you do that, um, you know you're probably going to take a shot. But they're going to take the next two months now and go through the pre-draft process. They'll all probably declare, and then you're waiting. So that's what that's what really makes it tough. Um, especially as it pertains to the portal, like you're not going to really know what the roster is for sure going to look like. And in fact, it can, it can hurt you in the portal because of the uncertainty. So that's the tricky spot that Creighton's in right now, obviously wouldn't trade this year for the world. Um, but it's, um, 
you know, the next, the next two months and guys going through the draft process and when they come back, you know, when they decide to come back or if they decide to leave, um, we'll tell a lot of the story here. They'll be active in the portal anyway. You've yep. seen uh, John Christophilus, you know, transfer out already. They're going to add a freshman. They're going to get a scholarship back uh, via the, you know, the sanctions that have been in place over the last couple of years on the Creighton program. So they're going to have some availability, um, you know, and, and you could plan on losing one or two guys to the transfer portal anyway. So uh, that's just college basketball. I don't know who that, who that might be, but you're going to, you're going to lose a guy or two just by just out of uh, the fact that it's college basketball. So that's what we're looking for next, but you know, the season was a massive success And, and it's funny how it can, how that narrative can change in a span of a week or two weeks, but that's the NCAA tournament for you, man. So that it was a huge success for them. And I can't wait to see how they rebuild this roster. And there should be a fair amount of confidence that, that Greg McDermott can get him to the point. And, and that part is passed too, right? Like mm-hmm. he's like, he's staying, you know, there was the whole thing with Notre Dame, like, you know, he's going to be here. Um, so, you know, I, you can have a fair amount of confidence that they're going to put a quality basketball team together and they're going to compete for a big East title. And they're going to probably go to the NCAA tournament. That's the bare minimum. Now Creighton's mm-hmm. in that spot. And that's a, that's a huge deal. Yeah, it absolutely is. So that is the uh, bow as we uh, put this on uh, or finish up the uh, regular season. God, I'm going to restart this, John. All right, so that's putting a bow on the uh, season. Hap, it's been really fun doing this every few weeks, every month or so, uh, you know, throughout the, much of this year. And I, it's, it's just crazy. Like you just said, bare minimum now that expectation is going to be like the tournament and, and, and probably getting a win if not two. And it's, uh, it's been a pride to talk to you about it all year long. Let's uh, let's play baseball. Let's talk some baseball going forward. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Robbie Lula joined uh, John and I earlier this week on a sportsmanlike conduct. Let's take a listen to that interview now. We look back uh, on the end of the season, but we also did a lot more looking ahead on what the roster could look like. Robbie, you've now had a few days to let all this settle. Where, where are you at with the way that the season came to an end? Where are you at with putting this season into perspective? All, all that. Well, I guess, what, where do you sit now, what, 72, 96 hours later? Yeah, I mean, the I was never really angry, I guess, which I, I know is not 
common. It seemed like a lot of Creighton fans were really angry, which I, I get. Um, I was mostly just sad. Yeah. Uh, that that it was over. Sad that you know that came that close and that um, you know this opportunity. That here's the part that really. You know, when I when we talked at the start of the year, I kept thinking, okay, a Final Four is is kind of like that's the dream, right? Yep. And you allowed yourself to dream that, and you know, you're as you're going throughout the game on Sunday, you're trying to stay focused on the game, but you're also like, okay, the Final Four is right there. But the thing that I've been thinking about, I'll be honest, starting a little bit on my Saturday, but also in the last few days, is like, okay. Creighton, had they won that game, had FAU and then either UConn or Miami for a national freaking title. Like, it was right there. I mean, obviously UConn's playing great, but Creighton already beat UConn this year. UConn has beat Creighton one time ever in their history, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, Miami doesn't scare me. FAU doesn't scare me. They're good. Don't get me wrong, but they're not scary. You know, it's not playing like a vintage Kansas or Duke team, right? It's like those teams are, are beatable. So the part, the thing that's kind of got me the last few days is like not just how close was Creighton to a Final Four, but like they were really close to a national title. And that is a thing that I think is going to be a little harder to shake. Um, at the same time, I'm trying really hard to appreciate the accomplishment for what it is which is the first Elite Eight in modern Creighton history. And that's a really big deal in and of itself. So I'm trying to focus more on the accomplishment and not on the missed opportunity. When you look back on the game itself, particularly the second half, was there something tactically the Jays could have done better or differently to be in a position where they could have won the game? Yeah, I mean, that's really tough because when you're not making shots at all, that is, you know, that sticks out pretty dramatically, right, more than any specific tactic does. Um, With the way that San Diego State was playing defense, with the way that Creighton wasn't really able to knock down shots on the outside, I don't know how much more you could have done because, you kind of need something to help open things up a little bit. And this is going to sound like I'm complaining about refs, and I'm not. But the way the game was called, which was allowing a very physical style of defense for most of the game, um, it, you have to get something in order to open that up a little bit, whether that's you knock down some shots, so that makes them kind of run out on you, close out a little bit harder. Or, and here's the thing that, we haven't looked at a ton necessarily, or I haven't seen people talk about a ton is Ryan Kalkbrenner missed a lot of shots. He usually makes. Yep. Um, he was eight of 17. I love that field goal attempt number. Um, he probably had four that he makes 99% of the time that he just didn't. Um, I get Mensa's a really good uh, defender, but he's done this against really good defenders in the post for the last two years. Um, that's where I look at and say, you know, and that's not a tactical thing. Like, you have to make shots from somewhere when defenses are allowed to be that physical. 
otherwise there's not a lot you can do tactically to free things up, um, if that kind of makes sense. It does. The only thing I could think of, and I, I got an email about this a couple of days ago, because, you know, in the second half, SDSU was, they weren't pressing, but they were putting a guard on the ball handler coming out of the backcourt. And it yeah. was and it was causing Creighton to, you know, spend eight, you know, eight upwards of ten seconds before crossing the timeline. And someone suggested, well, maybe bring a big into the backcourt, set a pick, so you can get into your offense earlier. Against- and they did that some. They did that some with uh, not necessarily Kaufbrenner, but like Shireman and Kaluma were staying back to set some screens to free him up a little bit. Um, the fact of the matter is San Diego State's really good at that. They're really good at providing man-to-man pressure and slowing down your offense and keeping you out of things and making you take forever to get into your looks. Um you know, maybe they should have tried it with Kalkbrenner, but then you don't have Kalkbrenner getting in position the way you want him to either. So you are giving something up there that I don't know is necessarily worth it to have Kalkbrenner setting a pick instead of Kluma setting a pick, you know, because they were, they were trying to get some of that action in the backcourt with the forwards. Ravi, so looking ahead to the offseason, what type of roster stability are you going to expect from this season to next year? And, and I wonder what type of timeline – that you think that we're, we're ultimately looking at with these guys and, and testing the NBA waters or the transfer portal waters? Yeah, so the I mean, the timelines are, are fairly reasonably set in stone, right? I mean, I think all the I – mean, yeah, probably all the starters, at least four out of the five starters, will probably put their name in for evaluation, right? Um, so that's – and that's normal, and I, I would expect that. The – Transfer portal deadline is the 12th of May, I think. Um, the early entrant withdrawal deadline is the 31st of May. So, I mean, middle of May, we're going to have a pretty good idea what this roster looks like, right? Um, I expect, and this is, listen, I don't have sourced information on this. I don't, this is just my vibe of how I think things are going. I would expect everyone back except for Art and Baylor. Um I think it's kind of been trending that both those guys um, had and, and try and test their luck somewhere else, uh, whether it's the NBA or, or I, I, I tend to lean professional rather than uh, like a transfer for art. But, you know, I, that's the, that's the vibe I get just from watching and looking at NBA evaluations and things like that. Um, I, I would expect everybody back except, Art and Baylor, which is a really nice core coming back still. Um, so that's that's something to be excited about. You know, there you're talking about three really really good college basketball players coming back. I think Mason Miller fills the, the minutes nicely. Um, you know, we saw him get a lot better over the course of the year. Um, so giving him more minutes and more opportunities. Um, he, arguably, his skill set's a better fit for what Creighton wants to do than Arthur's was. Um, that's not to say he's a better basketball player right at this moment, but just in some of the things that he does well, might be a better fit for what Creighton's looking for out of that spot because um, there there was a bit of an awkwardness at times with Galuma's fit. Again, that's not a criticism on him. It's just kind of the fact of the situation. Um, so, you know, I, I think you could be looking at a really nice group there, and then obviously you'd have to have somebody 
uh, play that fifth spot, which I have ideas of who that might be, but you know we'll, we'll see in in about a month, month and a half. But I, I think by the middle of May, we'll have a really good idea of what this team looks like. I'm happy that you said what you just did because I put in a grumball, uh, which is sweeping the nation for Isaac Trout. Oh, the grum! That's a lot of grumballs. Uh, for Isaac Trout to end up at Creighton earlier this week, would you also like to put in a grumball? Yes, I would. I would be, or can I make it a Lula ball since we got Lula stars? Can I do Lula balls? Lula balls. I don't have a sound effect for Lula balls. <laughs> yeah, there's. A, I don't want to hear a the lot sound of ball. effect yeah, for Lula yeah. balls. Yeah, yeah. us a sounder later, Robbie. What would you we'll say Lula balls we'll sound like? <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a grum ball. Yes, I would be shocked if Trout mm. does not end up at Creighton. Okay. Not saying it's impossible. I would be very, very surprised. All right, I'm going to put that on Twitter. Ravi also adds in a grumball for Isaac yep. Trout to Creighton. Does the timeline of everything, because you mentioned you know, you've got the transfer portal deadline, which is early May, the NBA evaluation period, and then you know, pulling your name out of there. Is there a concern if too many or a surprise entrant stays in that the transfer portal will be mulled, culled over and the Jays will be caught maybe not having enough people, you know, or enough quality people to, you know, replace the guys they're losing. I mean, it could definitely change the dynamic of what next year looks like, right? But you're going to think, you think you're going to have a lot of that on the other end as well. Um, And you're going to have guys at other places come back that weren't necessarily expected to, and that's going to throw more guys into the transfer portal late. So, I think it'll even out. I think Creighton is going to have the opportunities to get whoever they need to. Um, obviously, bringing back at least the majority of that core is going to be the best option there. Um, but I don't anticipate really any surprises necessarily. Maybe one, but I don't think you're going to all of a sudden be like, oh, all five starters are gone. Sorry. Like, that seems really unlikely to me at this point. And I have to imagine the coaching staff has had enough conversations with the players to have a pretty good feel of where they're at. And, you know, obviously if the NBA evaluation period changes something, that could change their mindset a little bit. But it seems unlikely to me that that'll change for more than one guy. And I'll be honest, the guy that I think it could change for is Trey Alexander. I think if you get Trey Alexander and maybe he's a little bigger than you anticipate, uh, in terms of he measures a little bit taller, um, maybe he's a little bit more explosive uh, in his uh, you know in his measurables athletically than you're anticipating. Plus, then you see the defensive skills, you see the wingspan, you see the shot making. All of a sudden, Trey Alexander can look like a really nice NBA prospect um, if some of the things that maybe you weren't sure about start checking boxes. Um, so he's the guy that I think maybe could be a swing, but. Like, Ryan Nemhard is an undersized point guard at the next level, and so um, he's going to have to put up prolific stats over a couple years to really get his name and interest. So I think he's, I think he's pretty safely back, I would guess. Um, Ryan Kalkbrenner, his status kind of is what it is. I don't think the draft process is going to change any of that. He's 7-1. He, he runs up and down the floor pretty well, but he's not like a super athletic guy. Really good rim protector, really uh, good rim runner, really good touch around the rim, which he doesn't get enough credit for. Um, some of the finishes he has on those lobs that don't turn into dunks are, are really pretty incredible. 
but that's, I mean, that's who he is. That's not changing with a draft evaluation process. I feel like they're going to know what his decision is going to be one way or another pretty early on. Um, so really, I, I don't think you're going to be looking at a ton of surprises. I think you're looking at maybe one surprise at most. Ravi, uh, you filled in for John, well, quite a bit over the last month, but what, yeah. one day in particular, we did the who is going to win the national championship discussion, and I don't think any, I mean, most of the teams that you mentioned, like, barely even got out of the first weekend, if that. Like, do you like that this is the group of teams? Like, do you, I guess, do you like that this is where college basketball currently is? Is this a one-off season? Like, I just, I guess I wonder where you kind of fall on the traditional metrics, maybe not not bearing out over the course of the tournament. That said, obviously, UConn does fall into the nice, neat box of the Ken Palm top, what, 20 and 22 or whatever yeah. on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it's um, yeah. UConn's the only team left that um, that fits that, that narrative. Um, I do like it, honestly, and I, I like it because it opens – I mean, it opens the doors for, for programs like Creighton, quite frankly. Um, it opens the door for – programs that haven't necessarily been blue bloods or you know these these juggernaut programs that have been running college basketball forever it opens the door to all sorts of new and exciting things now i know you know maybe the tv people don't like it that much i like it i like having um a sport where if you're gonna say hey anybody has a chance to win it anybody actually has a chance to win it. And I don't think it's going to play out this way very often. You're probably going to have the, you know, the, the Kansases and, and it seems like Duke's kind of on the right track. I don't know about North Carolina, but you know, I think you're going to have those teams, the Gonzagas in it more often than not. But I think it's a really good thing for college basketball. It's part of the charm of college basketball that this exists. I mean, think back college basketball I believe statistically used to be the second most popular sport in America, or third maybe. And that was back in like the 70s and 80s when you had Magic and Larry Bird. Like Indiana State played for a national title. Yeah. Like that's the thing that happened. NC State, huge underdogs, won a national title. Villanova, an eight seed, won a national title. All this was happening when college basketball was one of the most popular sports in the country, way more popular than it is now. Yep. I think these things are good for college basketball overall. Um, and it's what I love about the NCAA tournament. We usually don't get it to this extent this late in the tournament, but this is just an extension of what I love. I don't need to see Duke and North Carolina and, and Kansas, and I don't need to see the same teams every year. I like this. And it helps that Creighton is one of those teams that could maybe – you know, topple the apple cart a little bit, but this is what I've always liked about the NCAA tournament. Ravi Lula. Ravi, thanks Can again. I say one thing real quick, John? Yes, please go ahead. Uh, as we wrap up the Creighton basketball season, I do just from the bottom of my heart want to say thank you for the opportunities you gave me this year um, to be on the call. That is truly like, like I said on Twitter, beyond my wildest dreams and um, as a kid that has been rooting for Creighton for the last 20 years to get to call not one but two Creighton games was uh, freaking unbelievable. So thank you so much for that. Uh, you'll be back next year. I can't wait. All right, so that was Robbie Lula, John Bishop, and myself on Unsportsmanlike Conduct earlier this week. He is a Thursday regular on the program. Hap, 
what a podcast it was. What a season it was. You said it a little bit earlier. It is now time to look ahead. The weather is, is looking great. Some would say the snow is done. We got baseball. We got softball. We got all sorts of stuff. It should be a, a lot of fun moving forward. Yeah, well, this weekend, Creighton hosts in St. Thomas in baseball. Come out to the ballpark. I'll be I'll be there all weekend at the ballpark doing some broadcasts for, for Flow Sports, which is great while John gets his voice back. And uh, <laughs> and then we'll, uh, you know, they can push toward a, toward a Big East title too. So, uh, yeah, there's still a lot of exciting stuff left before we wrap things up in May. Absolutely, there is. 1620 The Jays is presented by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. For Connor Happer, I am Josh Peterson. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We will see you again next week. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.